Wednesday, June 28th, recording Data Protection Breakfast Club brought to you by our friends at TechGC. TechGC, man. The, what are you having for best. lunch today, man? What are you having for lunch? I'm going to order. I haven't ordered yet. Are you? All right. I, I, I'm going to eat some tuna and rice. I'm very austere. Uh, okay. <laughs> very... Yum. Yum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going all in, man. Um, Is it uh, ahi? So, you know, if TechGC wants to uh, provide us uh, <laughs> a food stipend, I, I can step that up. Ah, hmm. Seeding, seeding something, I'm I see. planting some seeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, man. All right, man. That was good. a really so good one. Thanks I'm glad for... you're dressed like I'm glad you're dressed like a you know like a middle aged law firm partner oh, right now, man. On. This is fuck killing me, dude. My, I have jeans with holes in them, and this isn't uh, this isn't tucked in. So I don't yeah, know. hopefully well, you from, from the from the shoulder up, you look like you know Bob Smith at Arnold and Porter. I made that guy <laughs> up, but <laughs> yeah. Hi, Bob. Hey. <laughs> Here we are. We're here. All right. Great guest today, man. Really yeah, great. Dude, she's fucking vampire talk. She's a vampire slayer. Like this is uh, a, like, we, did a, we covered all the bases, man. It was a good episode, man. I'm really excited that she joined. I you know, I've been thinking about inviting her for a long time. She has like this really cool role at Meta. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that with her. But um she's just got a cool background, man. She's done a lot of really, really interesting shit. Has a has a fully developed well not fully like she has a comprehensive worldview um that is very thoughtful and and you can feel that she takes a lot of care in like how she develops her opinions and thoughts on things when you hear her speak and i don't know man she's just like a powerful woman i know and i wanted i wanted her to be here because i think people can benefit from hearing from her man she's great um and and that that it's interesting man a lot of the meta guests we've had have a similar sensibility yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, um, as of late, Meta has been cultivating. I would guess. I don't think that's something that's been there forever. So yeah, it's interesting. Know, man. As long as I've yeah. been at the company, like what I've found is that there are a lot of profound and intelligent and caring human beings here trying to figure out how to do the right thing collectively and individually. Good. And so, like, you know, it's been a good ride. And uh, and and I've learned a lot from a lot of smart people. Yeah. Um, and she's one of you know she's one yeah. of the top people around. And so, like, just excited to like expose her i know she to the world like i know she's always I mean, she and i have joked about this but it is true she she's a super like podcast aficionado and um wanted to be on a podcast and i'm like well you need to be on my podcast first i'm not gonna <laughs> let you go join some other podcasts and so we we got her we got her on here and and i'm really excited it was fun it's fun this is a great conversation people are gonna like it let's do it here we are Hey, we're here. I got some friends on today. I'm excited about this. Let me say one thing before we introduce Shira quickly. Why do you have C-SPAN on behind you? Is that something you like? Or oh, you mean turning on around and just kind of watching C-SPAN? Or is that it, C-SPAN? You know, or is I'm, that... Just, I'm just <laughs> checking on. I'm checking on commodities futures like coal oh, and oh. copper. I'm really into that right now. No, it's actually Bloomberg TV. Yeah, Bloomberg okay. News. And uh, one of my friends is supposed to be on today, so I'm just keeping an eye on it. Okay. All right. Don't be such a hater, Good. Andy. Shit. I'm not. I'm not. I just didn't. I didn't know if you were. If you're. If you've switched over to commodities, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm making the switch, dude. I'm. I'm really into like copper futures right now. This is the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Well, Shira, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Do you have any thoughts on copper futures or commodities? <laughs> I don't think that's why we came here, but. I have thoughts on background TV, which is just don't don't do it. Don't do Ooh. it. 
I can't even sit in a restaurant or a bar where there's a TV on in the background. So, you know, my favorite thing is when you go to a restaurant and they're playing some like lame sports situation and nobody's talking and everybody's just staring like why? Go, yeah. Why go there? But yeah, I sort of. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to go to a place like that, it can't be an important game. Right. So it's got to right. be like if it's in the right. background, it's. Clippers Suns regular season. Oh I'm man, okay. I'm okay. That, uh, that's I can a just... hate on the Suns, dude. They're like what, the second, third best team in the West right now. That or well, last season, anyway. Well, we're not here to talk uh, NBA, anyway. I was gonna say I don't know what sport that is, but <laughs> <laughs> I was so, like trying to. I was like, right, I was like, is it hockey? Like, so, what could it be if I don't know that? Let's go deeper on that. No, let's let's not. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you two work together, so t- Pedro, tee it up here. Like, let's go. Well, look, I, I mean, yes, we do work together and we partner together on tons of things. I think like what's interesting about Shira and I'd love for you to give us like the, the 60 second around the world of your career is that like you come from a very unique background. Like you, I, when you look at your LinkedIn or just sort of like your professional history, it's not that it's all over the place, but it's that it mm. is like <laughs> a steady sort of like transitional uh, process where you sort of worked your way into your current role and i'd love to hear about like looking back at where you started whether you thought you'd land here and also um how you got here and yeah, where here I mean, is because i haven't said that so you yeah. that too. oh i should say that yeah i um so i am essentially the chief of staff for meta's chief privacy officer of policy so that would be pedro and my our, our boss, our uh, mutual boss. Yeah. Um, and what's ironic, I think, about what you say is that in so many ways where I ended up is where anyone would have predicted I would have ended up as a little kid. It just was a very roundabout way of getting here. So um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Both my parents were in tech. And, um, you know, I was the kid. Everyone was always like telling they, I was going to be a lawyer one day, which, as we all know, means I was obnoxious i don't know like, i don't know i don't know if that's such a compliment. <laughs> um but um but the way i got here was through was through a an international immigration i moved abroad i um became a citizen of israel i joined the military served there ended up working in high tech just because that's really all there was to do in israel as it turns out it, there's not it's not the biggest economy in anything else, but, um, and then ended up coming back to the States, going to law school and eventually ending up at Meta, um, as an, as an attorney slash policy person, uh, where I think anyone would have thought I would be as a six-year-old in Los Altos. Yeah. So talk about your military career. Like, how did you decide to do that? And what was your experience like? Yeah, so Israel has a um, a universal draft, which isn't really universal if you get into the weeds of it, but it does, for 60% of the population, there's a universal draft for secular Jews living in Israel, um, certainly the mainstream population. And I decided pretty early in high school that I wanted to immigrate to Israel. Um, and I knew as part of that, would be challenging to integrate. Um, I didn't grow up speaking Hebrew. I learned Hebrew as an adult. I obviously am fluent now, but I, um, 
my, my parents are not Israeli, even though there are lots of Israelis where I grew up. Uh, and essentially it was just a way to integrate. The wrinkle is that I'm actually very, um, I'm very left-wing. Um, and I went to Berkeley undergrad. I was part of a youth group there that was just progressive Israelis, uh, kind of discoursing about the occupation. Um, so there were some moral challenges to that decision, but ultimately I decided that if I wanted to live in the country and I wanted to have an opinion about the country then I needed to experience what everyone else was required to experience. So when I moved, I technically didn't have to serve, but I volunteered for the mandatory draft. So I volunteered to be um, a drafted soldier. Super interesting. Oh. You yeah. know what? I, I, like, there are not a lot of parallels between serving in the military and working at Meta. Um, but I will say that, like, your point about w wanting to be on the inside so that you can understand it better and either strengthen or at least better understand your critiques of a system is honestly a big motivating factor for why I joined Meta. Like, before mm -hmm. being at this company, what, what, you know, I joined when it was still Facebook, as did you. Like, before joining here, I was critic. Like, and I still am critical in some ways. Right. But like, I definitely yeah. had some like perspectives on how meta operates, especially during the Cambridge Analytica period, but even before that. And, you know, I, I, I had multiple opportunities to sort of like come on board in the past that I either didn't work out or decided not to pursue. But this last time when I finally joined the company, like my thought process was a lot like yours was when you decided to serve, um, which was. It's really cool to stand on the sidelines and throw stones. I, I you know, it, I think it'd be more interesting to go and see what's really happening on the inside, and then decide for yourself if it's a shit show. You can become even more critical, or if if you can affect change and they're receptive to it, then do that. Or if it turns out that your perception was wrong, then change your mind, right? And so a combination of things have happened in my years here, which is like my perceptions have changed about like a lot of things that happen in the company. I, I think the company also has transformed itself in the time that I've been here into a much more conscientious, open, um, transparent um, corporation. And so like, I think just by participating when you have diverse views, which you said you had when you joined the service, like you are changing it in its nature and its makeup. And I think that that's powerful. And I think that that took some courage and I'm proud of you. Like, Good for you. It's not everybody that decides to act on that. Yeah. You know. And it made me a better advocate. I mean, ultimately, where I served in the military was in the Foreign Relations Unit. Um, and I worked as the liaison to the ICRC, the International Committee of the Red Cross, and then for military attaches stationed in Israel. So on one hand, it was a friendly audience because it's other military attaches. But on the other hand, it's the IDF. And it, it, there, were, there was a lot of explaining to do on a really... You know, people think about the operations and the big wars, but there's really a constant drip drip of things that we had to report every day um, that we had to explain. And my job was having those conversations. And I, 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 to this day, recognize I was far more persuasive and, um, and, and just a better advocate because I came in with a critical mind. So you know, I, I was going to ask the hard, I asked the hard questions before I walked into those conversations of my peers. Um, and I think, I, I think that has served me well throughout my career. I, I know someone once met a, a colleague of mine, who's also a friend before I joined 
Meta had kind of said to me, you know, get ready for everyone to hate you. <laughs> like, get ready to not be able to tell people at dinner parties where you where you work unless you want to get into it. And I was like, look, like you, you've been down beans. that road. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is small beans. <laughs> yeah, but it is true yeah. that like that that it, I, it, like interested in your experience there, Meta specifically, and juxtaposing it against like having served in Israeli force and military, like defense forces, like. Um, it is true that when you're out in the world, like you get two reactions to us to working at Meta. At least I do. One is like, wow, that's really cool to tell me how that's going. And like, what do you do there? And like, what an interesting place to work. And the other one is like, fuck that. I hate Mark Zuckerberg. You know, Meta's a shithole. Like you guys are the, you know, oil companies of the 21st century, like this kind of stuff. I still don't shy away from letting people know where I work because I'm proud of it and I don't care. And I just don't engage in the like that debate about like the merits of it, but interested in how you deal with it. I actually feel significantly more comfortable having those conversations than I do when faced with kind of unadulterated, uh, you know, love and love and excitement. I, I think, and I don't know if that's like a weird, like, Maybe I should go into that with my with my therapist. <laughs> why why I feel so much more comfortable in in those um, in those situations. But by the way, that has also been very true for the whole for just being Israeli. Like whenever anyone gets to, I've had some weird conversations with people where they're like, "We love Israel, we love you," and I'm like, I, "That makes me feel very uncomfortable." And I much <laughs> significantly more uncomfortable than when someone's like, you know, like F you and the occupation. And I'm like, let's, yeah, like <laughs> totally like, let's, you know, let's, let's dig in. So I think, um, and not to compare the two, they're not, this is, yeah, this is yeah, very much not the same, but I do think in general that I approach the world with a critical mind. So, or at least I try to. So I, I feel much more comfortable speaking the language of, um, taking a hard look at things and really questioning them versus fandom of any sort. Like the only thing I'm really a fan of truly is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And even that, as we all know, Buffy has the Vampire so that we know that Joss Whedon is a, is a, now we're getting into the meaty stuff, not Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that Long like WB network TV show? Am, am I getting that CW. right? CW. Yeah, WB. That's WB what it was. was. No, it was before it was before it was a CW. It was WB. Yeah. And then it was on a UPN. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have to confess uh, and very proudly that I've never, I know what it is, but I've never watched a single episode of Buffy the vampire slayer andy you i know, seen that, the I know you're big on buffy, right you're big on buffy no andy. no but have you i've seen the movie there's a movie I mean, oh no 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 different, different <laughs> they are different they are different, different there's vibe. a show there's a show and there's a movie do you it, like I, i'm always curious about the world's fascination with vampires it's like we're like we really care about vampires and there's so many movies and so many books and it's like you know, like canon Halloween energy is vampires. Like, what is it about vampires? Sorry, I just blacked out for a second. Um, <laughs> what is it about I mean, vampires? There's, no, there's there's a whole there's you know there's whole like sociological theories about this about the like dark seducer and the parasitical elements and there's you know allusions also to outsiders in society, anti-Semitism. So. I feel like if you really want to get into it, there's like a whole sociological uh, Andy, body if you don't, of literature. I mean, if you don't change your like Slack handle to Dark Seducer, we, our friendship ends today. <laughs> I feel like um, two things. One, like uh, 
the uh, the sort of imagery of the vampire makes me think <laughs> makes me think very much about the way people criticize meta it seems very it seems very much like okay I hate where you're going with it. it's well i mean I, I guess where i'm going where i'm going is it's empty it's it's, some, it's somewhat empty yeah you know the the criticism is they are you know taking the blood or data or whatever and, yeah, the great yeah. extraction and yeah the great I, I, extraction yeah. when the truth is like i don't think this is true for vampires but like those same people that are frustrated with you know the parasitic element or like the the data extraction that's happening also you know use instagram like crazy and like connect with people all over the world on whatsapp and would be really upset if that service was taken away from them so i just feel like at least with vampires you know what you're getting it's very obvious like <laughs> they're, they're here like like don't give them any garlic well, there's no just, net you know, benefit <laughs> there's no net benefit to vampires there's I no benefit, yeah. but like right. the argument that there's no net benefit to the proliferation of social platforms is a ridiculous it's premise. crazy like, anyone who makes that argument i can't take seriously and they're not credible because we know for certain that like the the platforms that meta runs and other companies like google and snapchat and whatever um, have transformed and democratized information in ways that were unimaginable just 15, 20 years ago. And to act like that benefit isn't doesn't have merit, isn't meritorious, to me is like sort of like an outrageous. I'm angle, curious. Like, I'm curious it. about one aspect to ask you guys if this frustrates you. Like, because on the outside looking in, we, you more than me, have the benefit of knowing the people that work at Meta and the yeah. people that Meta has hired to handle privacy and security and, and data transfer and all the things that are like but but folks on the outside just take a position it's a parrot it's parasitic it's whatever it's i'm frustrated with meta and they they are taking a position based on old information and past things that happened is that frustrating to you to you all like it would frustrate me to be like look we've made a lot of changes and redirected the company in a lot of different ways and and um does that frustrate at all i mean we don't have to to go into like the depths of this, but I'm just curious on a surface level. Shira. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Peter, I'm obviously curious to hear your <laughs> thoughts on this as well. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think frustrated is the right term. I think that, um, I mean, there are, I, there are moments um, I will comment that I, I have a friend who works at a peer company who made a comment once and I was like, mm, like my team is about seven times the size of yours. So like, let's all, you know, you know in that instance, it was like you, you know, you have the context to know better. You're an insider. Um, but in general, I don't, I'm not, I'm, it's not frustrated. I think, um, I think partly it's just human nature. I think, I mean, I think it's, I think that the, merits that Pedro just described are incredibly valid and important, but they're also sometimes hard to see. The other thing is people don't have a counterfactual. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about this often. Like if, if these services were just to disappear and you were just to go back to your life without them, I think, you know, it would, people would feel very differently. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like we can, we, you know, it's our, it's not our job to get frustrated. It's our job to take that in stride, to internalize what we're hearing and to do our jobs better and, and get out there. I agree with you. Look, I think like feedback is important and like you can't shut yourself out from listening. Right. And so 
frustration can lead to that, right? Like it can lead to like insulary thinking and that's dangerous. That said, man, your example of like peer company, uh, a, a peer company colleague critiquing when they know better, like Andy, you've been present when I've experienced that in, in a group of peers where I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, don't forget where you were, guy. You know, like, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Like, you know better. And that that's one piece of it. But I think the other piece is when you speak in sweeping generalities, like Meta is doing this. Like Meta is not an organism that decides for itself what it's doing. Like, obviously, we have leadership and we have Mark and we have people who make ultimate decisions about things. But like, if you know me personally, like, and you've known me for 15 years. Do you think I just became a vampire and joined the, you know, I got bit in the neck by Mark and decided that I'm going to work here now? Like, that's not what happened. Okay. What happened is that I joined here. My integrity remains intact. And what I've learned since being here is that there are a lot of really good people doing a lot of hard work to make the company better, more transparent, more, uh, more responsible, like more, uh, like virtuous. Right. And like, just witnessing that and being a small contributor to that has dissolved this idea in my head that I had that like there was like some homogenous thing happening where like the the you know people were hiding <clears throat> behind the scenes to rule the world like that's not what's actually happening what's actually happening is that like we run a vast network of really complicated connection tools and problems present themselves some we don't anticipate and like it's our job and duty and responsibility to make things better when we mess up and try to avoid risks where we can like that's the while improving everyone's life like this is what what we're out here trying to do and you know Shira, i will say one thing i think like there's no counterfactual but there is a lot of positive narrative and i'm not saying like suffocate the critiques with all the benefits but i am saying like a balanced discussion really does need to happen one thing i rage against rage is not the right word but one thing i speak out against often is like privacy absolutism and like you know like the idea that like privacy doesn't balance against anything it is just like a standalone virtuous right that needs to be observed i think that's short-sighted and incomplete right like we need to think about privacy in the context of many interests balance those in ways that are informed by feedback from experts our users regulators and our own notions about what the right thing is and then calibrate that over time as like signals change or become clear like that's the best a uh, group of people can do when they run a really complicated thing at least that's my uh, that's true yeah and, and that's true of all rights i mean exactly. my we didn't get into this but my background's international law specifically so that was what i did in the military i worked with the in international law that i when i went to law school i did an additional degree in llm in international law and then i worked um specifically in international law before I came to Meta uh, at a private law firm. And I mean, that's, that's the essence of any right. Like any right has to be balanced against another. Um, and so I, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I think that, and, and I feel very comfortable in that space, right? Like I feel very comfortable in the, in the nuance. That's actually probably where I feel the most comfortable. Um, but I also recognize that when it comes to kind of, you know, ma the the masses or, or 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 just general public um, opinion that you know it nuance is 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 never easy yeah. um, in any context. Yeah, totally agree. You mentioned your law firm time. You worked at a large, prestigious, fancy law firm. 
how was that experience? Andy and I, you know, we have we always talk about law firm life and how that can be hard and how it can be good and whatever. What was your experience there coming from the service? Um, and like, what'd you learn? Yeah, so I didn't come straight from from the army. Thank God I had a little bit of time in between to take a to take a nap. Um, <laughs> that would have been it was yeah. If you work hard, it it been both places. Um, it was interesting. I um, I loved law school. I really loved law school. I did two degrees in three years. Um, I graduated top of my class. Not saying that to brag, but just because. It, just because I liked it. Like I, I liked being there. I liked studying. And I kind of imagined, even though I had come from the real world, I wasn't a total noob when I, when I went to law school, I was already in my thirties. Um, I kind of imagined that working in the firm would just be an extension of that. And it's not, I mean, that's the kind of, that's the truth about law firm life and lawyer life is that there's some really, really interesting work. And then there's a lot of, um, less interesting work, which is why <laughs> yeah. I personally am so excited about AI because I'm like, this sounds great. And also, can we just all agree that the billable hour is like the worst possible way to organize any organization? Why? Yes. <laughs> why? Why are you paid to be less efficient? I can't, it's drives me nuts. So yes. sorry, my, my uh, computer here is beeping at me in the middle of my rant. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, did the big the big law thing for a couple of years and it I just found that it wasn't I felt I felt like the incentives weren't in the right places. Um the things that people were rewarded for weren't um weren't the correct ones. Actually our former colleague Alejandra has Mapo has talked about this a lot, this idea of the third shift. This you know there's this idea in soci- in sociology of the second shift that women um work all day in their office and then they come home and they have a second shift at night, which is childcare and house, you know, housekeeping, et cetera. And then there's this, this newer idea of the third shift that women also take on a lot of unpaid labor at work. Yes. You know, the things like remembering birthdays or, um, organizing you know, things, organizing stuff. Yeah. Making, communicating, spending time communicating, passing on message, long messages. That's the kind of thing that you cannot bill for. It's also the kind of thing that makes an organization function well. Exactly. And I saw that a lot in the law firm. I saw that a lot. I saw the people who with really high EQs who recognize the importance of team building and communication and just being a nice person and kind, just kindness, getting not just not rewarded for that, but docked for that. Yes. Because any extra time that you took in the in the micro kitchen or equivalent to you know, ask someone about their kid or, you know, just check in on them or comment about the weather. Like that was time that you were not billing. And that, that really killed me. And I, when I was actually at the firm, I, um, during COVID, there was kind of a, right when COVID had started, there was a bit of a lull. It was pens down on all of our projects. And I pitched this idea to the partners that we should maybe start a blog. Um, I, I had seen some other law firms do it successfully. I had run a, a blog um, at the high tech company where I had worked at before I went to law school. And it just seemed like an easy win. Like, why not? Well, we have all this time on our hands. Why not just do some writing, get our names out there? There's a lot of interesting uh, stuff going on around COVID 
and the, this was specifically um, to the white collar team. So in the white collar space, there were in- interesting prosecutions happening for you know breaking mandates, that kind of thing. Um, and they accepted it. I was able to, I pitched the blog. I was able to get the marketing team to resource it. I put it together with a with a, another colleague of mine. We got the partners to sign on. It, it took off. It's actually doing, it's been doing really well since. I see it promoted now all over LinkedIn all the time. We never got remunerated credit for that work. You know, we got our names on the website, I guess. There was something, um, although that was taken down the minute that my colleague and I left the firm. But we, but that was never, there's no way for a law firm based on billable hours to provide credit for that kind of thing. So, because it's not, you know, because there's no client to bill to. And that just seems silly. Like this is clearly a value add that the, yeah. that the firm continues to benefit from. The only thing they like, can do is like scale back your billable requirement because you spent hours yeah, they, you know, doing it. I think another thing they can do instead of say, hey, you don't have to bill as much is just pay her. <laughs> like, I think they can just pay you. They say, we see value in this. There's marketing value. Like, if you hire a marketing professional, you pay them, right? You don't expect them to build a client, right? So, like, if you do something that has an ROI for the firm, like, they sh- you should be compensated. That could be through in the form of a raise or a bonus or whatever. But, like, people should get paid for the work they do. And work, the definition of work has to be broader than just, like, specific yeah. deliverables, right? Like, we all do more at our jobs than like deliver on the substantive thing we're responsible for. And like not taking that into account is not acknowledging a whole person. That's my point of view. And that is something I really appreciated both about the military and now about Meta is that I do think that in both organizations, there's a recognition that excellence extends beyond your deliverables. It has to do with how you interact with people, you know, how you present, you know, what you do for others. And there's a big concept in the Israeli military of personal example and in fact there's at the end of every um training course there are two prizes or awards given one for just general overall excellence how do you perform and another one which is excellence among your peers which is really kind of almost like the kindness award like who's there for others who shows up who's helping you know who's helping the person with the hurt foot carry carry her bag or you know checking in about the you know the 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 person's sick parent or whatever. There's a pattern I've seen in people that did military service and then go to law school. I I only have law school to compare it to. Um, You mentioned, you know, being uh, ranked highly in your class. I saw that at my, at my law school too. Two out of the top five people in my, my law school were former, you know, military service people. And I, and I'm, and what you just said is really remarkable. Also, in addition to like, in addition to being good at school, they, they were good at being friends and good at being people. And they were out there in the community and they were like in study groups, right? They're, they weren't like isolated and not studying with someone else and not like getting the knowledge from others and their peers. And they didn't. And so I, I find that, you know, you both did this. I, I didn't. But I think, I don't know, like it just instills something extra in people above and beyond discipline and hard work, I think. Well, it has to. It has to because it's hard. I mean, that's the thing. You know, anyway, I was thinking about this conversation before we jumped in and um, 
I was thinking specifically about this this question of you know what did you what did the military give you what did you learn from it and I think it it's it's how to get through hard things and my answer is with other people because I mean I I especially for me I jumped in you know I was I was a uh, privileged spoiled you know white relatively well off kid from the Bay Area um, who'd gone to a great undergraduate school and I never had a never had a really really I mean I struggled in the sense that you know worked hard in school or whatever never to really struggle a day in my life I was never went hungry a day in my life to suddenly be thrown into the situation where you know it's I'm alone in a foreign country I didn't speak the language very well yet I had to I had to, I had to function on very little sleep in very difficult conditions. This is boot camp and training, um, without basicness. I mean, without basic necessities. I didn't know I showed up at boot camp the first day. I didn't know that you were supposed to bring soap from home, so I didn't have any soap the first like three weeks that I was in the military. Like I had to borrow soap from people because I they didn't they don't provide it in your tent. Like you have to, you know, people just everyone there knew that you're supposed to bring it. Borrowing soap. And that's the bottom right there. I mean, but that like I've been there, washing. Did you ever wash with uh, dish soap? Yeah. Shower with dish soap. That was there, like uh, if you haven't or, like, taken, realizing if you, if you haven't taken a baby wipe shower or a dawn shower. Don't talk to me. <laughs> if you haven't switched your <laughs> underpants inside out yeah. multiple times, thinking that like by day four, if you switch it again, it's gonna be clean. Like, so wait, wait. Then so these are the like, new. I, I'm hearing this. The new meta hiring requirements, right? <laughs> are uh, dawn showers bitten by mark zuckerberg in the neck and then, <laughs> then you interview and then you interview and then you get the job and then, and then you take a baby wife <laughs> shower and then you're you're right you're, and and then you're, but, it, but you have to but the thing is you have to get through this stuff you have yeah. to get through this stuff with your with with the, with the others like with with the, with your team like you you cannot get through that without having someone to borrow soap from and having someone who's going to be kind enough to give you their small their small right. ration and i think and that is, that's just, that's, that's a life lesson that will never go away. The people who I served with were my whole world and thank God for them. And I think, and that, yeah, that's, I think that's the big difference is that I do feel like the law firm life in general, I don't mean to just kind of, you know, dump on my personal firm. Cause I actually had a lot of good experiences there and I made some good friends, but the law firm system is designed to um, to isolate yep. and detract from that. You know, you're yep. penalized for the more the more that the more social you are, the more um, interactive you are. Yeah. And I do feel that the, that the corporate world, or at very least Meta, that's the opposite. That that's been something that's been rewarded, and um, I've benefited from my inclination to be team oriented. Yeah, I think like you're absolutely right. And again, it's not a knock on any specific firm. I think really the the culprit is the billable hour and the business model, which like forces you to look out for yourself ahead of others when it comes to performance. Like there's no like there's no scenario in which I win at the firm when I sacrifice 50 hours and give them to my buddy. Like that's not a thing in the in the military. That's rewarded. Okay, like that is Mm -hmm. the thing. And I think Mm -hmm. I, I think you're right. I mean, look, I don't I don't think Meta is the military in any way. But I do think at this corporation, I've found over the three years I've been here that you are rewarded for being collaborative. 
you mm -hmm. are um, given more responsibility when you know how to share and you know how to communicate and you know how to empower. And that is just not the law firm model. And I wish it was because I, I got to tell you, I think the practice of law itself, like the actual advocacy on behalf of a client would be far improved if associates were incentivized to collaborate more so that they could be faster and learn more quickly versus isolate themselves and like make sure that they're hitting these like arbitrary marks that are really measures of profitability, not performance. Like it's just super frustrating to me. I do think like at some point when I'm ancient, I would love for my last stop in my professional career to be back at a law firm. And I don't know why increasingly I think that. And I'd love to come in after all, hopefully long time at Meta and a long time in house um, to just come back and finish my career trying to push a law firm who's willing to be uh, a leader in the direction that is away from these old constructs. Um, it's but, not surprising know. that you would say that at all. Like, that's who you are. Yeah, like, you, you joined, you, when you talked about your decision to join Meta, and I'd be interested, Shira, to hear about your decision to join. Like, when you talked about your decision to join Meta, I know this from a fact, for a fact, you, you had another opportunity on the table. And it was also with a public pretty company, pretty, pretty big. And, uh, and I remember I advocated for, in my opinion, for the other one. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I have to know what it is. This now. other one, this <laughs> other one is a good, a good opportunity. And, uh, and I said at Meta, you might get lost, you know, and you said to me, um, but I have to take the swing. Like if I, where else, I'm not going to make a bigger difference or a bigger impact unless I go into the hard thing. This is a theme we've just, we've been touching on all along. I've got to go in and do the hard thing. Well, the hard, one of the hard things would be changing law firm mechanics or mentality, not just the billable hour, everything you guys have talked about, like it's broken. It's not broken on a person to person basis. It's not, we, all have, exactly. we all have outside counsel that we like and we all have outside counsel that understand they need depth. They need to understand your business. They spend, they spend, expend their non billables to be better to you when they're, when they're billing you. But it's not surprising at all to me that you would want to go in and, and have an impact on something that's, that's institutional and difficult to, to make an impact. And I'm curious, Shira, was that your, part of your thinking and joining meta too <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> not a noble beautiful and beautiful intentions yeah no honestly no honestly no honestly i knew that i wanted i knew, there were a few things i knew that i wanted differently i knew i wanted to go to some place that was much more team oriented um i knew i wanted to focus more on the interest, the work that I liked. I mean, the way that I talk about my, I describe my job now to you know family members when they ask me how it compares, I say, the work is both more interesting than what I did at the law firm. And also there's less of it. Like, it's not that we don't work hard, but it's not this like crazy grind of honestly, useless shit that yeah. like a lot of, you know, I, I've built hours and hours and hours like changing foot comment bubbles into footnotes. Yep. There is like, no filler work at this company. There's no filler work. No. Everything is hard and there isn't well, a well there's always meaning, some filler like, work. <laughs> all the substantive stuff yeah. is hard. Um and like there is room to focus. Like and that to me has been the great intellectual growth of the last three years, which is 
I can actually sit down and think deeply about hard things without the pressure of having to toggle off of them immediately to go on to the next thing because a different client is calling or because sales needs a random thing or whatever it is, right? Like I can focus and we can get it. We can try to get it most right. Sure. One thing you said, oh, Andy, actually, one thing you asked was or alluded to was like why we joined. And I think Shira joined for some pretty pragmatic reasons. And I thought I was joining for some lofty reasons, but I can give because I do want to talk about Aaron for a second, who I want to have on the podcast at some point. And Aaron Egan is Shira and I's boss. Um, when I was debating what to do, and I was very transparent with Meta that I had something else cooking in the pot and that it was active and available um, offer wise. I was at the veterinarian. I'll never forget Keanu, who's right back here, had to have a tooth removed and he had a cyst in his jaw. And I, I the recruiter from Meta had wanted to connect with me. And I said, hey, man, I'm like at the vet. So like, I'm going to have to call you back. And he said, well, when are you available? And I gave him some time. As I'm leaving the veterinarian, my phone rings and it's Aaron Egan. Like it's Aaron. And she's the chief privacy officer at Meta. Okay. She calls me and we have this wonderful conversation. And I think her intention to call me was to like, try to close the deal. But I told her, hey, I'm at the veterinarian with my dog and he's like sick, he's hurt. And we just talked about my dog for a while, which I thought was really cool. And then at the end of that conversation, like she, like I could feel her heart in the conversation, which is sort of rare. Um, not, not with her, I mean, in general. And then like, I think that conversation and, you know, I pivoted it. So it's like, so, you know, what are you actually calling me about? Right. And she said, look, man, like, we, we, like, what's it going to take to get you to join the team? And I said, like, I need to feel like I'm going to be able to go there and have impact. Like, and by impact, I mean, feel like the emotional and intellectual safety to share my opinion and, you know, develop ideas that might not be the common string or the common thread and at least have them heard out. And like her assurance was that's exactly why we're interested in you. Right. Like that's what she told me. She said, we know you're going to come with a fresh new perspective. And that's why I want you to join the team. And she gave me the assurance that that's how my role was going to be. And to her credit, like she's followed through on that, like in the sense that like the company does operate the way she described. And when we sort of lose a little focus on the need to like uh, push hard, complex ideas up against each other to see what we get and make difficult decisions like. She has a really good instinct of knowing when to fly in and say, no, 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 no. We need to focus on this hard thing right now. And we need to get to a solution and we need to make sure everybody has a chance to chime in. Working for Aaron and Rob Sherman, who is my immediate manager, like has been like one of like best experiences I've ever had because they're not micromanaging at all. But they do get in there when it's necessary to vet out hard decisions. And what I mean by that is let's make sure we're being brave and courageous when we decide things. And like, that's my favorite part about this job. You work more closely with Aaron than I do, obviously, Shira. Um, tell me about your experience working with her, like a woman, you know, a, a woman who's been in this space for a long time when there were no women. OK. And she's like this little teeny tiny force to be reckoned with. And I mean, teeny tiny in a physical sense. She's this little person um, um, uh, to, to be reckoned with that everyone takes super seriously. Um, like, how's that? How? Like, just tell me what that's like, because for me, it's empowering and awesome to be a witness of. Interested from your perch, what, what it's like working with Aaron as closely as you get to. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a privilege and I'm learning a lot. I think that one of the things I most 
respect and I, I, what I've derived most value from is the way that she is holy herself, mm. but also can m- move or pivot to meet the moment or the context. So she's never not herself. She's, a, she's always really authentic to who she is. But I've seen her with lots of different hats. I've seen her in, you know, tense bilateral meetings with yeah. regulators who are not happy with us. I've seen her speaking in front of rapturous audiences, you know, in conferences, delivering and, you know, and hitting a speech out of the park. Um, and then I've also seen her dealing with her kids' health issues. Yeah. And she doesn't, or, or their, and their, and their, you know, and the things to celebrate. Yeah. College, her, her son just got the medal of honor or medal of something. I should should verify before I say this, but but he just got recognized for uh, a lot for his, um, his community service work. And what's amazing and helpful for me is to see, to see how holy she's also, she's an executive, but also a parent. And also just a person, like she also really takes seriously her mental health. She goes on, um, you know, she, she recently went on a silent retreat. I do those too. Imagine me being quiet. (laughs) It's, I mean that, you know, and, and the importance of meditation and mindfulness to her life. These are, that I think is actually like the professional stuff is really impressive and exciting, but I have seen a lot of impressive and exciting professional people in my life. I didn't mention this earlier, but I also, I clerked for the chief justice of the state of Israel, the Israel Supreme court, who's also a force we reckoned with. Like I've, I've had the privilege and opportunity to work with some very, um, and it was also a woman by the way, which is amazing, not unusual in Israel, but I think probably unusual for sure in the global context. Um, I've worked with a lot of kind of really powerful, impressive people. What I have learned and enjo- most enjoyed about, working with Aaron is that she's a whole person. She's a whole person that she, really... and, and it's exciting for me because I don't want to just be, I don't want to just be a professional. Yeah. I've got kids, Yeah, you know, I've got I, a dog who I be a human. spend time with. This is a really, really important observation. We have to wrap up here, but like, I just want to call out how, like, I think there's a lot of people in the world that achieve high position and high station. And I've always agreed so strongly with what you said that it's anytime I've come across someone in that position and they show that they're around and they're, they're a a person with all sorts of different features and bring those things, aren't afraid to bring those things into their work life with their colleagues and share those things. It's not surprising at all, Pedro, that that's why you started to feel like I could go work here. Like, it's that's that's half the reason a mentor is great and that's half the reason a leader is great in my opinion you guys really incisively kind of broke that down um with with Aaron as the example but um i i i can't underscore enough how important the the points that you guys just raised are with respect to how we look at leaders i think well Aaron, you, if you're this is something i i get, come on the pod oh Aaron's listening <laughs> But this is something I think also, again, not to knock on the billable hour (laughs) again, but I think this is another example of where it misses the point of what I think, what, what 
good looks like and what really works. I was actually talking to a friend of mine recently who is a um, very impressive physician. She's a geneticist at, she's finishing her fellowship at Stanford. She's going to be at UCSF. And she's also got, she's also a mom of two young kids. Her kids are the same age. Uh, and we were just talking about all the, all the little hacks that she has to make her life more efficient. You know, all the, all the little things that she's, that she has hashed out to get through her day. And they're brilliant. They're brilliant. It's like little things that are just smart. And that's the kind of thing that allows her to focus on what's really important. It's also the kind of thing that you, if you're just looking at hours spent, you're never going to get to because you're never, you're never thinking about how to, how to uh, efficiency. I mean, I, I think I'm a, I know Peter knows this. I'm a big fan of efficiency. We talk at Meta that this is the year of efficiency, which 24 hours a day. Yeah, I don't mean to. I don't mean to reference that at all. I'd like to. I'd like to think that I. I, I have. I laid claim to that word first. But this is something I think that parents, especially, are really and and frankly, in like our cis, you know, hetero world, mothers really have 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 had to learn if, and what they can bring is what can we cut out? How can we how can we do this in a more intelligent way to do to focus on what matters and be better all around as a result. Focus on the hard stuff and the important stuff. Like that's usually a formula for success. I will say like- No more we... comments into footnotes. Yeah, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna just redline perpetually until I'm dead. That's gonna be my- <laughs> But you know, I, I know we, and, and rightfully so, we talked about Aaron's influence on the company and on ourselves and, and it's been great. I, I do wanna finish with saying like, I have really enjoyed watching you grow into your role here. I get to, you know, I get a front row seat to seeing how you manage what is a really large, diverse group of brilliant people who all have really thoughtful convictions about things and managing like the collection and rationalization of all of those thoughts into action, which is what sort of I see your role as. Um, you've done it masterfully. So I'm really grateful that you are where you are. And um, and thanks for hanging out with us today. Super yeah, fun. Thanks for coming. Thanks. You fulfilled a, fulfilled a dream of mine. That's right. She <laughs> wants to be on the podcast. And here we are. I'm, always, I'm a big podcast listener. First time podcast. There we go. Well, I got a feeling people are going to hear this and invite you uh, to lots of podcasts. So that, that would make a lot of sense. Literally my dream. Thanks for hanging out with us. Right Literally now. my dream. Just do this full time. <laughs> Thank you, guys.